A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Yeah, that's no, it's just audio. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> use, the, we don't use the, we don't use the visuals are free. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. This would be a really weird setup if this was visual. <laughs> would, yeah. Right? You're like, who are these guys? They're clearly just, yeah. Look more like a TM, TMZ or a TZM. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Are you guys in Canada? We, we are, are in Canada, yeah. Where, where are you? Toronto. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where are you located? I live in the Catskills, which is... Uh, the Catskill Mountains is about two hours from New York City. Sounds and, lovely. Uh, kind of the country. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. But I'm always having to travel, you know, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. You know, like Boston, which is four hours away. Four hour drive. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, really, it's nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate yeah. it. Welcome to the DNA Airwaves, everybody. There's uh, Dariki Palmer, Anthony Lewis. Hey. I'm Matt Kesselman, Hi. and today we have Kenny Werner with us. Welcome. Thank Thanks you. for being here. How are you? Uh, good. It's nice to be home and sitting in my own studio. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. Been pretty busy traveling, or? Well, I, uh, I have an institute at Berkeley College of Music called the Effortless Mastery Institute. Right. And that's something they installed based on my teaching philosophy. And we have other courses in it, like Tai Chi, Qigong. But mm. uh, so as the artistic director, I go up there 10 weeks a semester. And I just came back last night. So nice. And I've got a week and a half at home, which is which is great. Very nice. Yeah. I don't suppose there's a way we can get this signed real quick <laughs> now, huh? <laughs> uh, real quick. Uh, <laughs> I pulled out the book. <laughs> uh, no, I, could, I could... I could sign something, scan send it, send it over, yeah, I'll, uh, and print it, it and tape paste, it. In. You could paste it in the book. Print and paste, yeah, the old school way. I like it. Right. So you mentioned a lot of cool things. We're definitely going to talk about that. Your work with Berkeley, the book, Effortless Mastery, all that mm -hmm. very fun, exciting, and interesting stuff. But maybe take us back a couple years at least. Can you give us a, I guess, an overview on your start? or your story with music. And uh, maybe more specifically, because that's pretty broad. In the book, you mentioned um, life, living life uh, post-World War II. Um, you also mm -hmm. mentioned how life changed with television and also some thoughts on the school system. So maybe if you could tie that into kind of the, the beginning, therefore, of your story for us. Well, let's give it a shot. I mean, I started playing at seven when I saw a friend's father playing at his birthday party. And I had seen it on television, but I'd never seen it played live. And I ran home and evidently was very excited about 
you know, get get a piano, you know, and so yeah, they rented yeah, yeah. a piano with an option to buy. And very quickly, uh -huh. I just started figuring out melodies and things. And right. I thought that's all you had to do. And I ran into the kitchen and I said, hey, good news, mom. I won't be needing those lessons. <laughs> oh, that's it? I just I just figured out how to play, you know, Amazing. first day. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that was an attitude. I think I that attitude I kept all my life. Then I uh, was almost a star at, uh, what was it, 11, when I had a record out and I was doing TV shows. It was one of those little child star things. Right. And fortunately and unfortunately, it didn't happen. I, I'm not sure what would have happened if it had. But yeah. after that was years of, actually, what I understand you guys are doing, are you playing weddings and stuff? Yeah, that's the part of what we're doing, weddings. Yeah, I did crazy. that from 13 to 13, 30. Wow. 13 years old, wow. Well, what wow, happened man. was I had a bar mitzvah, and my parents hired a pretty hip band. Right. And I sat in with them, and the next, uh -huh. the guy gave me a job. <laughs> That's amazing. That is. <laughs> so from that day on, I was playing two or three of those a weekend, and Long Island was a very fertile place for weddings and bar mitzvahs and confirmations and all that. Yeah, so I did right, many yeah. years of that, and I learned a lot of stuff from... Back then, it wasn't cover bands or DJs. Yeah. It was musicians yeah. that had just come off the big man era. Right. Oh, okay. So you might have a trumpet mm -hmm. player, a accordion player, or a, you know, a drummer. And, and these guys had played the music, so they knew all the intros and the outros. Mm. And right. so at a very early age, I learned the most fundamental stuff that would go to playing a standard, we'll say, but you know, in, a, in a standard way. And that was right. great because it was a bass line. And then even when I did more exotic things, it was based on this solid knowledge coming off of the Stan Kenton bands and the, yeah, you know, yeah. Duke Ellington mm -hmm. bands and whatever. So I did that and uh, went to Manhattan School of Music as a concert piano major, and that was a complete bust. <laughs> why do you say that? Yeah, why is that? <laughs> well, because my dirty little secret was I didn't care at all about classical oh, music. Uh, okay. But I had gone <laughs> to the prep division, and then they accepted me, so I thought, okay, here I am. Never mm -hmm. even gave it a thought whether was I was going to go out there and, and do this, even though I didn't listen to the music. I really right. was an improviser. Wow. And the reason I went to Berkeley wasn't even a lot of love of jazz. I heard, literally, well, this is a school and they improvise there. I said, oh, improvise? Well, that seems to be what I do. So I went there. And that's where I found some footing uh, in jazz, but just in a culture of music. And uh, it was also early 70s. It was a very uh, mystical time. You know, we used to really play with some ideas and, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, that not just the music. And uh, it, it was a great time of dreaming, you know. Yeah. Um, but it turned out that I had another kind of message. I, I And I had some teachers that helped me with it, as I talk about in the first book. Uh, just becoming the instrument, mm. you know, not okay. hassling with playing the instrument. Right. But passing over that. And, of course, that means great training. Because there's two reasons you can't become the instrument. One is psychological. You don't right. believe you're worthy of it. Right. And you put irrelevant thoughts in your head to block what is a very natural function. Mm. Right? Yeah. But the other reason is acquiring language. If you don't have language in a certain music, it doesn't yeah. matter that you're a free being. You're not going to speak. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's really splitting your mind in two places. A very un inspiring place but the inspiration is focus and that's practicing things 
to get them, not so that you play them right, but so you could watch your hands play them, sort of watch them being played. Right. And once you can get to that level of, of muscle memory, it sort of gets added to your overall game. So you're just playing like you did when you were a kid, but all this other stuff's coming in, you're bringing it in when you're practicing. So practicing, and as I got that clearer, people were asking me to teach them, and then private lessons went on to classes at the new school. Uh, uh, Arnie Lawrence at the new school wanted me to start subbing from people, and the new school was very interesting at, at first. He had started the jazz school there, and every teacher was like a killer jazz musician from the history, like right. Jackie Bayard or Joe Chambers or these guys, Bernard Purdy. These guys were mm -hmm. teaching there. Yeah, wow. So what happened was, as in the tradition of jazz, at least one of them didn't show up every day. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was subbing it was a mystical for every. Time, you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was great for me. I was subbing every day for somebody that didn't show wow. up. I get wow. a call in the morning. You know, uh, Larry Wilk Willis didn't show up. Can you do his class? Yeah, sure. You know, and paying me. You know, so and I started yeah. to develop a way of teaching that taught the freedom when you're playing and to discipline yourself when you're practicing. So that, just to say that you don't try to get inspired when you're practicing, you're trying to add language that you can't play yet, you know? So yeah, that's a vulnerable yeah, yeah. time. If you can't do it, you feel like less of a musician when that's just True. ego. You're right. every bit of the musician you were, but you're trying to bring in more language. So having mm. support for yourself while you do that, having uh, generosity towards yourself, and then when you're playing, not letting your playing get tainted by what you've been practicing, but it's not ready to go yet. Mm. Well, that, that's, so, you know, a, that's a tough one because you're learning to do yeah, things one way just, and then you have to not do it when you're improvising. Well, some people solve the problem. They stop practicing new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you're going against everything that people have been telling our guests here, which is great. Especially, yeah, especially yeah. to do with uh, oh, good. education, good. music education. At an earlier yeah, age. it's making this separation in your mind. Mm. Now it's time to concentrate to see if I can bring some more language in and become comfortable with it. Now it's time to play. And I really try to help, like, you know, especially in school, people start judging themselves horribly because yeah. they are judged immediately. Right. Good yeah. point. You yeah. know? Yep. So um, I try to say to them, you have one thing you're practicing when you're playing. Loving your playing. Forget the rest of it. There's nothing you could do to alter your playing while you're playing. But you can let it flow yeah. by practicing loving it. So mm. some people would say, well, yeah, I mean, as soon as I play something that I would love, then I'll love it. But it's kind of like a dog chasing his own tail. Uh, you yeah. never yeah. quite get there. <laughs> yeah. And the way you get there is the opposite. Whatever sound you make, you practice loving it, whether you believe it or not. Huh. And after a while, not only do you find you're loving your sound, but that sound is more lovable. Yeah, that's a great point. Wow. Frank yeah. Zappa once said that you have to spend, at, not at least, you have to spend five minutes every day thinking you're the best. <laughs> Who said that? Frank Zappa. Well, I love that. I think that's yes. right on. That way you're not, mm. you know, measuring yourself in any other way. Mm. Like, how am I doing? It right. never yeah, really yeah. doesn't end well. No, that's, that's Especially true. not in the world of the internet where no matter how good you are, you'll always find somebody better immediately as soon as you start scrolling. Right, but from what I call the space, the space you're in this moment that. and, and mm -hmm. it's not a tendency to compare yourself. 
Right. You can try not to compare yourself, but that's right. still being in your ego. That's trying mm. not to do things. When you fall mm. into that space, you suddenly realize that those pressures aren't there, but only as long as you're in that space. How do you get so there? A lot the of practice people are wondering. is yeah. going into that space more and more. And what I like about the second book, it's lessons in self-mastery from music to life. Mm -hmm. So musicians yeah. may know something that they don't know how to express verbally, but right. if they did, uh, it would be a whole pathway of action for non-musicians. Mm -hmm. And I always had this dual thing. Not only did I do what I was talking about, but I could talk about what I was doing. Right. You know? yeah. um, and that's been a very freaky kind of talent, which I just haven't looked a gift horse in the mouth. I'm not, if I have it, I, I give it up, you know? Yeah. If I didn't have it, I wouldn't go looking for it because I'm a musician like everybody else. I just want to play and I want to be heard and I want to get paid for it, you know? Yeah, yeah, but I seem to have the language to explain this phenomenon and it changed my career completely. It even changed my music. And many others too. I've heard a lot of uh, musicians yeah. on all different levels speak highly of your work. Um, you mentioned the space, which I guess in theory sounds pretty cool and easy enough to wrap your mind around, but in practice, do you have some tips on, well, first of all, can you explain the space a little more? Tell us how it relates yeah. to music and even how to get there, how to find it. Yeah, first, what the space is, is something that has a name in every other philosophical circles, spiritual circles, religious circles. And I say spiritual and religious because they're not always the same thing. Right. True. Yeah. Uh, musical circles, uh, psychology and science. Now, the, the brain will even light up in different ways when it's in the space. Or when it's in the, uh, you know, the crowded world of uh, thoughts, you know. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, it could be the Holy Spirit. Mm. It could be Hashem. It could be super conscious. It could be mm. universal mind. Uh, when I called it the space, I just thought that was the most non-denominational. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because it is the space between the future and the past. And it is the space between thinking and not thinking not thinking is the space between two thoughts just like a rest is the space mm, between deep. two notes hold on a second <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> this is going to take a couple of rewind and playbacks for sure yeah, no we'll keep on going <laughs> could you repeat that last part <laughs> it's it, yeah. between the past and the future that's amazing yeah, yeah the space is 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 the space like between the past and the future yeah. the space is a space between one thought and another just as a rest is a space between one note and another. Mm. But all the power yeah. is in the space. No one ever creates well from the past and nobody ever develops courage from the future. They just develop uh, uh, questions mm. which they can't answer. So in the space, for example, and I did arrange myself around a piece of furniture that does Love make it. a sound. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. From the space, these are not good notes, these are notes. Mm. And I find from the space, there's no such thing as a bad choice. Mm. Because choices are, are intuitive, but rating the choices is intellectual. Rating with a T okay. is yeah, intellectual, yeah. Huh. you know? And when you rate how you're doing, you inhibit what you're about to do. This is so, so common. Cool. Okay. 
that that's why the first book was been all over around the world and it's been voluntarily translated into about eight different languages, uh -huh. meaning I never looked to translate it anywhere. Someone would read it in <laughs> Romania. Yeah. And now I'm getting it about this book. I've already gotten a request from South Korea, uh, Italy. The uh, first book is has been weird language. I mean, well, just weird choices. Weird, yeah, well, yeah, French, yeah, yeah. unexpected. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. French, Italian, yes. Um, uh, Spanish, yes. But right. Romanian, uh, Bulgarian, uh, there's a guy translating it into Farsi right now oh, wow. nice. for Iran. Wow. And I don't really, when I say I don't take credit, I'm not trying to indulge in false humidity. Humility. Yeah. Yeah. False humidity is something we have right now. Or false, or false yeah. humidity, right. Right. Um, it just, it was something I was meant to know. I just know it, you know. Mm -hmm. When yeah. I started to speak it, the reactions were even stronger than the music, which I wasn't even sure how I felt about that, you know. Uh, it's not that the music's not strong, it's that nothing interests somebody more than something that can improve their power. Oh. There goes so the when ego I started again. to talk yeah. about stuff that improved their power, a lot of people started showing up because everybody mm -hmm. wants the power to create. Right. The power to create lies yeah. very much in the power to support oneself. I mean, I, I'm, you know, inside, I'd rather have that connection between me and the sound I make, even if it's not a it's not a good sound, than play reasonably well, because you can't play great and be trying to calculate everything you're going to play, but you could play reasonably well, you know. Uh, I'd rather play badly, and be and really enjoy the sounds I make. But it's a, that's evolved over a long period of time. The thing you start doing, okay, so that's what the space is. It, it perfects you mm. because you're in this moment and you're not mm. thinking. And that's actually perfection. In fact, in this crowded society of ideas and noises and social medias, yeah. to me, the most profound state today is to be in this moment, not thinking. Huh. Oh, my God. You know? Yeah. yeah. And... What I learned is let's not go for 10 minutes of that. Let's go for even a moment of that, but all of it. Huh, right. So now I'll show you what, what, what I've whittled it down to, to make, yes, yeah. to put one in the space. And it's so simple that uh, I, I kind of kid Americans. I say, this is so simple, even an American could do it. <laughs> so, and that was during the uh, administration where I wasn't that thrilled to be an American, mm, but right, anyway. Right. So... <laughs> But, but here it is. You're all breathing, right? Yeah. Yes. The thing is, every discipline starts with breathing, but we don't need to practice breathing. You've been breathing every moment of your life. Right. In your True. worst moment, you were breathing. Yeah. And in your highest triumph, you were breathing. So you don't need a, <laughs> a, a, a workshop in breathing. Right. However, if we watch the breathing, I'm not talking about something spiritual. I'm not talking about, don't go there. It's not meditation. It's not yeah. spiritual. There's a gizmo in this body that breathes, right? Yeah. I'm going to watch it breathe, not even me breathe. I'm going to watch it breathe. And here's the other innovation for 20 seconds. And we're doing nothing more than watching ourselves do something that we've been doing all our lives. So you want to give it a try? Sure. Let's give it a try. Everybody yeah. When I say go, breathe. simply focus your attention on the fact that you are breathing. Okay? Okay. Well.
And that's the space. That was a nice space. That was a nice space. Beautiful. Yeah, and it's simple. Yeah. What, what yeah. you realize is that... Sounds too simple. The reason it's powerful, and yet you don't want to think of it as powerful, you want to think of it as very easy to do, hmm. and then you keep doing it. The mind is so so uh, reverse psychology. If you started to say, wow, that's really important to do, you'd yeah. suddenly find it hard to be in the right state of mind to do it. Yeah. But, yeah. but if you remembered that you already were breathing... But you were just going to watch it. And for 20 seconds, you can let go of your entire life because in 20 seconds, you can have it all back. Right. And in that right. 20 seconds, if you're really watching yourself breathing, you're not thinking. And if you're thinking, you've stopped watching yourself breathing. And even if you think, wow, I'm not thinking, you're actually not watching yourself breathing. <laughs> that is hilarious. Wow, look at me not thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah how about this? What a, you know. But now here's the thing. Every time you do that, even for a short period of time, the mind does take a picture of that. The body takes a picture of it. It starts to become a little piece of you, like a seed, that is perfect. You know? I mean, it depends on the language you want to use. The divine connection, yeah. if you want to look at it in a divine way, mm -hmm. is the absence of thought. If you have thought, that's like mm -hmm. an M&M &M and you got the candy coated. You right. can't yeah. really absorb anything because you're already bouncing it off with your thoughts of what you think is going on. So mm -hmm. the ability to find absolute space by watching your breathing, which also has the same quality of bringing you into the moment, because you don't, you only breathe in the moment. Mm -hmm. right. If the body yeah. were a clock, the breathing would be a second hand. You know, it's every inhale is this moment. Every exhale, by the way, is, is a release. Mm -hmm. Wow, so, so many, many. sound bites. So many. So many. <laughs> Too many. Everybody's looking for release, but because they've ignored their breath, they don't realize they get one every other breath. Oh, <laughs> every wow. time you inhale, <laughs> the possibility of release exists. You know. That's good. That's but great. the more you focus on that, the more the details of your life, the ones that restrict you, move to the background, and the mm, foreground yeah. become with practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This space, and from this space, how it, and why this book is different than the first book, mm -hmm. anybody can use this space. They could be steeped in computer language and they suddenly realize that they're trying to control the whole universe and they go, wait a minute, I can't stop doing this, but I can take a break. Yeah, For 20 yeah, seconds, yeah. I'll watch myself breathe. Mm. And they can absolutely stop that drama right? and go back to the space. And then I, the, the, the other part that's innovative, if you have found the space, don't try to hold on to it. Let it go before it lets go of you. Ah, okay. You know? So, in other words, you come back, all right, I have a problem. I'm thinking about my future. That never ends well, but I'm doing it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to take a break and just watch myself, watch the breathing, right? Now I'm going to come back. I give myself full permission to be enmeshed in my future again. Mm -hmm. And because I don't resist it, sometimes the problem's not there anymore. Mm. Or sometimes I see the transitory nature of it and 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 the uh the the logic the uh analogy is very much like clouds and sun and this is how we can understand it easily if it's two o'clock in the afternoon and it's almost dark where you're living mm -hmm. you don't think to yourself wow the sun is so weak today yeah. Yeah. True. you yeah. know for sure that there's a cloud cover that's so thick that it's blocking a light that never 
dies, a light that's never less, that's never less hot, less right. powerful, but yeah. these clouds. So it's a perfect analogy because yeah. the clouds are temporary. You may look up in the sky in an hour and there'd be no clouds. And then the sun is doing what it does. And with us, the sun is us. There's a light in you like there's a light in Miles Davis. Right. If you're breathing, Miles Davis was breathing. That yeah. means every bit of light that was in him is in you. Right. And the only thing that makes you doubt that is a cloud, a thought. Huh. Oh, Miles Davis, but not me, you know. Right. So you start to um, allow for the transitory nature of thoughts. Mm. Yeah. And you assume, even when you can't see it, that there's a light in you of inestimable power. You know, and I yeah. think that's along the lines of everything meditation. I just think I tried to find the easiest way, the most accessible way, and with a 20 second timeout, a portable way. Yeah. Well, you could yeah. be anywhere, and someone could be leading you in a direction that makes you uncomfortable. And you just go, wait a minute. And you minute, connect yeah. with your own breathing, and you know that what you're doing is right or wrong. Mm. It becomes a very valuable and remains a very portable uh, tool. It's funny that you've mentioned a few times that you, you don't want to take it to a, a spiritual place necessarily, but it's interesting how spiritual practices that involve meditation and breathing uh, from all over the world seem to have converged on very similar ideas, and you're kind of bringing it together. The reason they've converged on them is because there's physical reasons why that works. There are actual biological and mechanical reasons Right. why that works so it's it's not just hoopla and voodoo it's it's real hmm. um well the science is catching yeah. up to more and more yeah yeah Neuro neurology particularly yeah mm -hmm. yeah um can we talk about the psychology of moving on uh with the segue of moving on so i remember uh working in in the studio and talking to um the head engineer there about what do I do if my, in, in this particular case, my mix, it's just not sounding right. And I'm listening back after I've released it and I hate the bass. And he told me, you don't hate the bass. That's just the sound of that record. Um, and that changed my, my mind and the way I, I look at working and at moving on. Because at some point, especially with art, art is never complete, right? There's no metric that we can measure and say, okay, this song is now finished or not. Um, but... I, I started to, to realize that professionals, both musicians and engineers and outside of this industry, one of their strongest skills is knowing how and when to move on and not to obsess. Well, I think it's a great point, uh, and there's a very clear answer to it. You said it was released already. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so that would be my cue to not think about it ever again. Right. Uh, right. Easier said than done. Now, uh, that's what the practice is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The okay. practice of choosing to think or not starts with a seed. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. I can't say, let's say I'm thinking about that bass all day. Mm -hmm. And some states of mind, I'm thinking, yeah, I should really accept it because that's what it is. And another state of mind, you go back into, oh, I wish I had changed it. I guess you know, I guess you could sneak in the studio at night and change it and then get it to the people that produce the CD and see if you can yeah. replace the last uh, uh, thing they had, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all these things, 
they restrict the, the worst thing about them is that they ruin today. You're, yeah, you're ruining yeah. today they thinking ruin about today. that base part. But yeah. how do you stop doing it? Well, I will say to myself, or here I am thinking about that base part again. Mm -hmm. And I go, I actually have a language for my students. I am thinking about that base part again. Here's something I can't change, right? That never ends well. True. When I start thinking about that base part, that never ends well. Now mm -hmm. I can't stop it because my mind is smarter than I am. Mm. <laughs> I cannot yeah. choose to tell it what to think. That right. then I play right into the devil's hands. Mm. Wow. You know? Yeah. But I yeah. can take a break. <laughs> yeah. So I say, okay, you've got me. I'm thinking about the base. I'm going to take a break, let's say for a minute. I'm just going to simply watch it breathe. Mm. And then I'm going to come back and let you torment me a little more about the base. So mm. if I spend a minute, and if that's too long, 30 seconds, and all I simply do is watch myself breathe, I've displayed a degree of surrender. I've surrendered at least for a moment, needing to figure out something, which is a fool's errand anyway because I can't figure anything out. It's out already. It's done, oh, wow. you know, but you could have made a better example, like before it's released, I keep changing this and I keep changing that. Sure. Right. If I find myself doing that, I decide the project's over and I move on. But how, how do I let, because huh. after a while, I think there's no relativity. It all sounds better since the last move you made. And exactly. that's exactly. That's yes. kind of a rock fever that happens by being in the studio too long. <laughs> yeah, wow. You know, it's like when you've been on an island too long, they call it rock fever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a studio version of that, you know. And then I go, okay, this is done. Because nobody is going to be in touch with the thing that I'm obsessing about right now. Yeah, no one's going to tell or care. Right. But the point. larger issue is how do I not think about something that – there's two, two, two problems, okay, okay, that limit your life. Number one, let's say you're thinking about your future. All it is is questions that have no answers today. Mm. The future, in, unless you signed a contract and the contract kicks in in December of 22, you, the future is a series of unanswered questions. But trying to answer them will for sure ruin this moment. Mm. That could have been done getting to work on something. Right. You know, if I was in this moment, what could I do? And I don't mean a moment where I have an appointment. I mean, maybe I could practice, but practicing doesn't seem like it means anything because I'm trying to contemplate my whole life. So what is that going to do? Uh -huh. You know, so there's two ways you inhibit yourself. One, you're asking yourself questions that have no answers. And right. two, you're ruining this moment or you are taking 80% of your potential out of this moment. Now, I have wasted years, if not decades, worrying about something other than this moment. And when I find, but I've always been there with music. If I put my hand there, yeah. that's exactly the right place to be. And I have found that when I am really feeling that, the audience feels the same thing. So there's some kind of a, a like electric, electrical current that comes from your own self-acceptance that has the same effect on the souls of people who are listening to you. But regardless of whether that was true or not, in other words, how it impacts other people, the fact is it empowers me mm -hmm. to like me, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing I practiced. And it took a lot, lot longer than in music, because in music, I think I was gifted with it. But in life, I've had to really work my ass off to, to not put myself in situations that cannot flourish 
because they're not dealing with this moment. And now I've gotten quite good at it. And even if I don't feel good, I know it's just a feeling. It doesn't mean anything has changed for the worse. Right. You know, there's the body and then there's the spirit. And sometimes the body feels bad, you know. But sure. it, it really, the spirit is unalterable. If, you know, so it's the practice of, like I say, the simple, you could meditate. But if you tell me to meditate for five minutes, I won't quite get there. Because I'll be right. counting sure. the seconds until those five minutes are over. If you say 20 seconds... Uh, an uncommitted yogi like myself will go, oh, yeah, 20 seconds. <laughs> and I just yeah. watch myself breathe. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. is it. And more and more you become familiar with it. And then from there you make your next note. Or you might be mixing a record and you're in that loop. You walk away. When I'm composing, I compose on finale. So as soon as I get too slowed up by the right choice and the wrong choice, Mm -hmm. I just put the computer to sleep and walk away. Because right. have you ever noticed you come back the next morning and you know exactly what to do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah true. So that proves that having the surrender to let go of the situation mm -hmm. brings clarity when you come back to the situation. That yeah. makes sense. Wow. That yeah. makes perfect sense. What made you decide to finally actually sit down and write a book? Well, you know, I started teaching and everything was for money, like everybody else. <laughs> okay, okay. That makes sense. You know, I mean, I didn't write a book for money because I didn't know anybody would buy it. But <laughs> the first time I was asked to teach, I was asked to teach at the new school. And um, it was funny. Arnie Lawrence called me. He said, Larry Willis didn't show up. Could you cover his class? You know, right, Larry Wilson was a great piano player. Um, so I get there and it was a midterm. I'm thinking, well, first of all, I said to him, I don't teach. And he said, well, it pays 150 bucks. And I said, what time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I get there, and it's a midterm. All I have to do is sit in the front. Oh, nice. And these kids are doing a midterm, then they hand them in, they're walking out. Yeah. Yeah. Back in those days, the new school jazz school was so new that you went up and got your check in the office that day. Wow. You weren't paid monthly <laughs> or bi-monthly. Right, yeah, or yeah. bi-weekly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got done, they were leaving, and I'm going up to get my check, and Arnie said, no, no, man, come... Everybody sit down again. Show them some of your shit, man. Show them some of your yeah, shit. Yeah, so I yeah. go, well, I said, if I had just taken a midterm, I'd want to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to stay here. And they didn't know me that well. Some of them knew me. You know, I had somewhat of a reputation back in 89 and 88 and seven, you know, right. I, you know, quite a reputation actually. But, but some, a lot of the young ones did not know me, right? So I said, all right, well, I looked at the test and the first question was, what's the first chord of body and soul? So I said, what's the first chord of body and soul? Kid goes, E flat minor. I go, no, wrong. So they go like, what? So another guy says, A flat sus, because it's kind of a sub for E flat minor. Yeah. Mm. I said, no. People came up with a few more things. And they were very opinionated, opinionated young men, you know. Yeah, yeah, and they start to yell at me. Uh, what kind of jive is this man? <laughs> this is bullshit, you know. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right? Turkey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I didn't even know what, exactly what I was doing, but I was enjoying their reaction. You know? yeah, 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 too. So finally I said, any chord could be the first chord of body and soul. Oh. And they went, oh, that's that 70s hippie shit. Uh. <laughs> that's not real. Yeah. So I said, well, name a chord. They name a chord. And I, they name a B major, you know. <laughs> you know, they made yeah. it. The wrongest chord, you know, A, A over, yeah. You know. 
Whatever well, they said, I turned that? it into the tune and inadvertently gave them the best harmony lesson they would ever have. Amazing. Wow. So Arnie was knocked out with this. He had me coming back every day. And as I was doing this, I was developing a whole language because it wasn't just about the ease of music that people didn't realize. Yeah. It was about the way they crushed their own uh, energy right. with these worries, fears, and doubts, you know. And I yeah, started making yeah, demonstrations yeah. about understanding this. It was really weird because there were people who were in my class then, actually some famous jazz musicians like uh, Peter Bernstein on guitar and mm -hmm. uh, Larry Goldings wow. on, on piano and Brad Melda was even in the class. Wow. And, and they remember today that when they read the book, they had to laugh because they saw me making this up. Right. Oh, in wow. these substitute <laughs> teacher things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I gave a talk at the uh, International Jazz Educators and uh, Jamie Abersall, who pr produces a lot of the jazz uh, how-to yeah. books, you know, yeah. videoed me and then he sent the video to different schools and I started getting calls to do a talk, yeah, which yeah. was weird because I was a piano player, you know. Well, I, I got to a school, in, it was before the internet, I got to a school in California and there was a saying on this door, mm -hmm. a quote from me. Nice. And I'm, going, I'm trying to understand wow. what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Who cares what I say? I'm, I'm going to play, you know. Yeah, right. Wow. Well, more and more I kept getting that. Evidently, inadvertently, something was coming out of my mouth that was very important to someone else's growth ah. or satisfaction yeah, or happiness. Yeah, yeah. So I just went with it. I didn't make calls to do it, but I got calls and they always paid something. And, yeah. you know, and then I yeah. developed an empathy for that. And over the years that, so at the end of a process, I had actually cats following me around with tape recorders. Yeah. And I actually yeah. thought somebody's going to write a book with all those tapes, you know? Right. Wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I just sat down and wrote all the licks that I had been saying that I had learned from mm. real time improvising yeah, you know yeah. and that was the first book and then of course a lot of editing and uh 25 years later i call it a data dump <laughs> right you know? yeah, okay i mean the information was influencing people so hard that i thought i better write a book because i am for whatever reason the author of these thoughts right sure, so yeah, why yeah. should i let another opportunity go by someone gathers them all up and puts a different even Effortless Mastery wasn't really my idea. It was an editor from an article I wrote. She titled the article Effortless Mastery. Oh, wow. And when it was time to name the book, I was thinking, Effortless Mastery? Well, that sounds kind of uppity, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and my yeah, friends yeah. are going to ridicule me. <laughs> so I said, don't write this book for your 12 friends. Write this book for the world, you know? Right, right, yeah. right. Well, I used the term, and now it is a term, like Alexander term, Technique, yeah. Effortless Mastery. And uh, years later... When I wanted to do less touring and really, I still get emails today of people that will say, man, I just read your book, the first book, and it changed my life. And yeah. I just tried to ignore it and go do my gigs, you know? Yeah. So about 10 years ago, I just actively changed conception and started to embrace the idea that I was meant to do more than just play concerts because this stuff, it just, I knew it was real because I didn't do anything to acquire it. Right. You know? I didn't go study right. it and then yeah. set myself up as some kind of a, expert in anything i said listen this is what's coming out of my mouth right now it was kind of like <laughs> that you know God. so um then i wrote it down and the same thing with this book so much more is uncovered since i've taught the steps of effortless mastery as semesters yeah. and mm. and what happened was 
people enlightened me. Someone said, I read your book, I shot the best golf of my life. Right. I read your book, we need this in our company. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it's one of those things, you know. Right. <laughs> so I only indicated what musicians. In this book, I called it Becoming the Instrument, Lessons in Self-Mastery from Music to Life. And I'm owning yeah. what people turned me on to. If they practice these ideas that a musician can use to become personally more successful in their music, they can become personally more successful in their business or in their... I mean, I had some weird letters that one guy in the military uh, could never get his suit on for weapons of mass destruction, uh, you know, like gases and stuff. Yeah, they had a yeah. drill. They had to get their suit on in under four minutes or something. And this guy could never be do it. And he read Effortless Mastery, and then he was able to put his suit on in the right time. Huh. You know, wow. I'm going, well, you know, My this gosh. is bigger than me you know yeah, just, yeah. and as long as it's coming out just let it keep coming out it was gracing my life so that's how it turned into books that's i never incredible. meant to write a book but i thought this too i said it was so much more language now showing how somebody that's in computer science can use something that a lot of me and it's not like i'm the only musician that knows this yeah. but there's a trend in music the people that can really play that way may not have the words and the mm, people sure. that really have the words often can't play. <laughs> the words are great. You can learn yeah. from those words, but they yeah, don't yeah. actually know the experience. So yeah. I, I might be the only person from the trenches that was <laughs> also able to articulate it. And I can't tell you why that even is, mm. except I, I ran with it, you know. Huh, that's beautiful. If the phone rang, I picked it up. Wow. Action. This, this has just been so full of... Nuggets, yeah, information, gems. Yeah, all of us are kind of here, just like yeah. I gotta go ahead and listen to this again. This is this has been amazing. I don't even know where to go from here. You've touched on every <laughs> single note that I had in my mind and in my notepad. Um, wow. What do we do? Well, and that often happens. What do we you know? do? Yeah, there's a connectivity, and I think the less we try to understand it, and the more we watch ourselves breathe, yeah, the more yeah, we find huge. ourselves connected. Hey, speaking of connected, do you see yourself in Toronto for anything anytime in the next <laughs> yeah. year or so? You know, I, I was in Toronto bef just before the pandemic. Oh, man. Uh, I see myself in Toronto the first time I get a call from the what, – what's the club there now? Which one? Uh, uh, which one? Uh, the Rex? Hall or the Jazz Club? There's the Rex and there's a Jazz Club if it's still there. It's been there so all many got shut down too. Many yeah. years. Anyway. We lost yeah. a lot to COVID. I mean uh, – yeah. Cameron you House? guys talk it up and I'll have my manager call them and I'll be in Toronto. Right, well, our people right. again, touch with your people, yes. Mr. Warner, <laughs> we'll make this happen. There's um, some connectivity for you. There yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> this has been great. I, I don't know if this is asking too much, but how do you feel about just playing us out? Maybe just like a 30 second. Yeah, window. you want to play something? Yeah, sure. I mean. But, but before you do that, could you just let everybody know how to, uh, sorry, Andy, yeah, no, how that to get makes a hold sense. of you, your, <laughs> yeah. your uh, Instagram, if you have one, any, any kind Website. of website. I have all that, that stuff. Uh, I have someone manage it, so I'm like about as stupid <laughs> about it as, as it can be. Okay, but you can always go to my website and you'll see all of it there, KennyWerner.com. And then perfect. I think all the hookups are there awesome. and the book. It's all there. But yeah, you can yeah. also get it at Amazon or BNN or whatever, you know. Yeah. But you can hook up with me uh, through uh, emailing through my website. And uh, then you also know what other events I'm doing. If someone thinks, I want to grow in this way, this makes sense to me, yeah. or I already am growing in this way, then I do a lot of things, whether it's classes or events, so that somebody can really work on it. 
They can really work on the exercises to expand their own uh, possibilities creatively and technically. This is very exciting. I'm definitely getting the book. I think we all are. I have we already it, have, well, I have. We already have one copy in the room right now. Uh, it, it's just talking to you. Two copies? Yeah, I have the book as well. Uh, oh, Matt. It's okay. Oh, no. I'm being left out. <laughs> this is very seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm beaming with, uh, with new ideas. Shame. Oh, nice. Living shame. in the moment. Uh, th- <laughs> thank you very much for stopping by. Thank you for sharing your yeah, knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And incredible, actually. To play us out, here's... Kenny Werner. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Maybe I can even give a little bit of piano. Well. Oh, it doesn't matter. We're on the audio. <laughs> well, we might, we, want to we see. might use a little clip. We might <laughs> use a little okay. Yeah, yeah. okay, watch the piano play itself. There it goes. <laughs> I will. I'd love to uh, hang out with you guys. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, oh, man, our pleasure was all pleasure. ours. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Stay all safe. Right, take care. I hope to see you soon. Yes, sir. Each episode of the DNA Airwaves is recorded, broadcast, produced, and all that good stuff right here at the MPL Toronto. The MPL is a collection of film and audio studios dedicated to making all things visual look amazing and all things audio sound brilliant. 
check us out at the-mpl, that's maple without the vowels, dot com for more details. This podcast is also brought to you by The DNA Project, your live entertainment agency. Anything you need for your live event, they've got you covered. Weddings to large corporate galas, we can do it all or we can do just a little bit. Wonderful people and a great company. Check them out before your live event at thednaproject.ca. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.